Ronananian. And then I realized, Hondas are 212. When I do an idle learn on a Honda, I see temperatures up to 212 degrees before the fan comes on. I felt like Maxwell Smart missed it by that much, right? Missed it by that much. The Car Doctor. When you installed the upgraded or the revised, you know, harness, a la the upgrade, mm. whatever it was, um, did you do any changes? Did you go back and look at the grounds themselves? See, I'm thinking you've got a ground issue. And once again, the forces of niceness and goodness have triumphed over the forces of evil and rottenness. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... In all the years that we have known each other, has there been any time that I have ever given you cause or reason to suspect my sanity? Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Taking no prisoners as we march on down the road of fixed cars everywhere for all of you out there that are driving or otherwise trying to drive and to operate a motor vehicle in today's technology climate. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. You can find more information about us at cardoctorshow.com as well as the ability to podcast or live stream the show if we're not on a uh, live affiliate in your neighborhood or an affiliate in your neighborhood. And um, I look across the glass and I see the... Uh, Number one compadre here, um, Mr. Ray. Good Greetings. afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Ray. How are you today? Yeah. In the morning. It's, yeah, been, it's, day been, it's been a day already. Let's see. What went wrong today? Um, that, and we're going to step behind the scenes for a minute, folks. We want to tell you what goes on to produce a national radio show, okay? So I got to the studio early, and I noticed the phones were down. And... So, and we got them working. You can call in 855-560-9900. They're working. I'm assured they're working. And I noticed... A, Strange smell in the control room. And, and it wasn't me. And it wasn't me. Um, and it wasn't Tom. And um, it was something burnt. And we went, oh, boy. And I unplugged the phones, and I called Tom, who was on his way into the bank because one of his family's credit cards had been uh, fraudulently acquired, and he was in the, on the way into the bank to acquire for a fight for that. And I got to inform him, hey, you better um, bring a power supply down to the studio because I think we fried something last night. And since not, we didn't have one, I happened to happen to, I happened to have a phone system at the house, so, um, you know, brought it along. And swap a phone system in, and um, we got that much done. And we thought we were out of the woods, and then we found out we wanted to log into the email server for the show today. And uh, we're operating on backup for that because the email server, the computer that that's on, that computer decided not to respond to remote access and um here we are ready to do a radio show and then the very first thing that happened when i got the phone system installed was a uh, telemarketer called yeah from china and, no 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 that, no that that was on my cell phone after this was on the actual main phone line and i said okay it's a great time to answer it and a great time to test it so i picked it up and i said he starts with the cause i said dude you're calling your national radio show's control room and he's that's okay we're calling everybody and uh, basically he got told where to go so <laughs> Well, it is a car show, so going somewhere is really part of the equation. But in any event, we're here to talk about your car and whatever sort of problems it is you might be having. I think we're doing a giveaway. You're doing a giveaway today, Tom? Um, no nonsense. I think we're doing a Wix uh, giveaway today, right? The 39 Ford Coupe? Yeah, but you're not supposed to know about that because 
I have the Wix car over here, and you're not getting it. Uh, well, I am getting it because, listen, every time we try to give one of these away, thank God Tony's not here today. Um, well, I wish he was here today because then you wouldn't be able to get it at all. Well, if Tony was here, I was thinking he was the one that stole it. But um, this is the customized 118th scale 39 Ford Coupe hot rod. It is the only customized 39 Ford Coupe hot rod on the market. It's a replica of the ultimate American car with period black paint, custom cream red scallops in each fender, color-coordinated red interior, period full moon discs, and the white wall tires, vintage 1939 plate and it is courtesy of the folks at wixwixfilters.com if you want to read more about it let's uh, kick the garage doors open right away we'll do that a little later on this hour or next or two hours of car doctor and yet to go we are beginning our first hour for those of you taking the uh, taking the show we appreciate that and um let's go over and talk to uh, debbie in virginia some questions about a tpms light debbie welcome to the car doctor how can i help I have a 2010 RAV, Toyota RAV4, okay. and the tire sensor light came on. All right. And my husband checked the tires. He put some air. One of them was a little low. He put air in the tire, and the tire sensor light went out. A few days later, it came back on. He's checked the tires. The tires are fine. The light will not go out. Okay. He says that the light really means nothing. Just ignore it. I can't ignore it. I want it gone, but I don't know how to do that. Um, you want the light gone or your husband gone? You want the light gone? <laughs> Not the husband. I'll keep him. You'll I keep just him. want the light gone. Okay. Um, you have a Toyota, and chances yeah. are you have a – did he check the spare? No, he did not check the spare. And chances are the spare tire on that Toyota has a sensor in it, mm-hmm. and that's low as well. Oh, all right. Okay. So this, this is a need to check that. Yeah, this I is a rev- the tire place today, and they said that it probably needs to be flashed, and to bring it in, and they would put it on their their computers and see what was needed. Too complicated. Let's go with simple yeah. first. Let's go. Okay. This is a Rav Four. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is the one the spare tire sits behind the, the, the back back door, right? There's um exactly that that hard clamshell cover that sits over the tire, and it's sort of a pain in the butt to get off. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. That's, it. that's. Yeah. That's it. So I. Let's. Let's. Let's take that off. And I. I bet you dollars to donuts that that spare tire is low on air. And whatever the door placard says, if the door placard says thirty three, I would probably. Uh-huh. I would probably overinflate that tire. Well, I would normally overinflate tires this time of year by a couple of pounds because it's only going to okay. get colder in the coming months, especially in Virginia. Right? Winter's coming, exactly. and as, as, as the cold yeah. weather comes, the pressure is going to drop. But I would overinflate that spare a good three, four pounds because, frankly, nobody ever remembers to check it, and um, right. you know, and I bet you the light goes out. Okay, so overinflate three to four pounds, and that'll take care of the light. Yeah, if if, if the spare is low, read the spare. I'm betting okay. the spare is probably going to come in around twenty six, twenty seven pounds. Um, uh-huh. That would probably be approximately where it is. And you know you'll find after after you're done, just drive it, and either that or light may go okay. out even before you leave the house, before you leave the driveway. Um, but yeah, okay. Toyotas have, a, and I like it, right? Toyotas have a five sensor system. I think everybody should right. have a five sensor system. Um, right. You know, where, where I don't think everybody should have a, a spare tire to check is the cars that come in that have all the laundry, the fertilizer, the tools, and everything in the trunk or on top of where the spare right. tire is located. Kind of makes me exactly. wonder how people are going to check the tire when they get the flat anyway. But you you right. you, you get the point of it. So I um, do. But uh, that's where I you do. want to be. All right, darling. 
All right. I will think that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck to you. You guys have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Let's go over and talk to Pete in Delaware, 2010 Mercury. And I'm sorry, 2010 Grand Marquis and a 2010 Dodge Caravan. I want to talk about batteries. Pete, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, the original, uh, you know, they're both, uh, one was bought in 2009 in October to Mercury, last uh, production model, because I wanted the large trunk for taking, uh, I, I needed a big trunk, for a Tony Soprano three-body trunk to take my scooter around. I had trouble walking, I'm, I've had since hip operation and the other one is a uh, 2010 which we bought in january of 2010 a leftover dodge caravan and i am still on the original batteries on both of those the uh, dodge has got about thirty thousand miles the mercury about sixty thousand miles and my question is are these vehicles oh and the, and the mercury is an unlimited edition they eliminated the good better best and that year, you took it with everything. And since I wanted that particular large vehicle, uh, I uh, you know you, you, take, you eat what mom fixes when it's the only one available. Sure, yeah. So uh, so anyway, uh, it's the unlimited edition. And uh, you know, my question is, are they are late enough models? Or, or you know old enough models so that I don't have to worry about saving memories or programs if and when uh, you know I decide to replace the batteries. Well, let's uh, you know let's 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 and, talk about that a second, Pete. It's they're they're both eight year old vehicles, right? Nine year old nine year old vehicles. Um, how much longer are you going to wait? Uh, well, I you know I I in the Mercury I have the uh, I have one of those charger units my son gave me I guess he was worried about us and you know I charge it every month and so far you know hey uh, you know I'm one of those guys who keeps vehicles uh, as long as I have reasonable expectation from getting to A to B and back again uh, you know I'm not I'm not the first one to abandon the old or the first to accept the new. But, uh, you know, and I heard that the new batteries are smaller and less durable than the old batteries. Well, I think in newer cars, because of the amount of electronics put on them, I think a lot of the newer cars and their batteries have a tougher time keeping up. It's one of the reasons why, and this is a lot of the conversation about absorbent glass mat, AGM batteries, the buzzword you hear all the time. Everything's going yeah. to AGM battery and the technology that's involved in that. And, uh, you know, my concern is you've got cars that are eight, nine years old, and you've got the original batteries, and the batteries are only rated for five years. And I'm back to my original question. How much longer are you going to wait? Well, you know, I take it in for regular servicing, and they tell me that, uh, you know, uh, that the, ba you know the, the amperage or whatever the measure of how good your battery is, they said it's, uh, you know, it's, it's still not critical uh, that, uh, uh, you know, that the they're you know still doing their job right see and i gotta tell you I, I i'm a there's a lot of things i'll i'll i have leeway on but a battery somebody brings me a battery in the shop and the battery's rated for five years and we're in the sixth year or longer and they say test the battery and i say what's the point because i could tell you it's i could tell you it's good today but uh, you know it's it's past its expiration date would you drink milk okay well would, would you drink milk past its expiration date pete you're abs you know, 
No, right. but uh, as long as I get a test that says the milk's still good, you know, uh, you know the expiration, that's the cell date that you got on your milk. Well. Uh, so, but but let, let, let me finish. So, assuming I want to replace the batteries, can it something? Can I go to like uh, AutoZone or someplace where they'll replace the batteries, or does my vehicle require where they uh, basically offload the brain of the car and keep it in a separate box while they replace the battery so as not to disrupt the various settings? Or are my cars? you know, being eight and nine years old, that they don't have that problem, and I can just drop in a battery. Well, let me clear up, a, let me clear up some misinformation here. There, there is no such thing as offloading the brain to a separate box. What you're talking about is using a battery backup or a battery saver, and all that's doing is, all a memory saver is doing is plugging into the underneath the dash con- computer connect port and providing alternate ba- battery power so that the vehicle computers don't drain down and lose memory while the battery's disconnected. That being said, my first question would be, when was, if ever, the last time the throttle bodies on either car were cleaned? And, and, and that's a question for you, Pete, in the sense that when were the throttle bodies cleaned? If the throttle bodies have never been cleaned and they're very dirty, you're going to disconnect the battery without a memory saver, one of the first most often critical found specs that the computer no longer knows what's what is throttle body position they just don't know where they are in that stage of the game so it becomes a case of yeah the throttle body's got to be clean and then the idle speed has to be learned look it's never a good idea on a late model vehicle to replace a battery without using a memory saver you might be able to get away with it you might not there's generally relearn involved where you've got to drive the vehicle a specific way a specific procedure but I'm going to go back to my original comment. I, I know you're trying to get life out of it, but eight, nine-year-old batteries, it's not going to happen at a convenient time. And if you don't plan to do it sooner, it's going to happen later at probably a very critical time when you depend or de- really need that car in order to get yourself somewhere. You might find more information about AGM batteries at autobatteries.com and consider switching to one of those if you're uh, very low mileage and very uh, low driven. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Yeah, listen, I don't want to harp on it, but, you know, for Pete in Delaware and for anybody else, eight, nine years on a battery is just too long. And you've got to figure, at best, going into winter, that that battery is likely to fail the first cold snap, and you... And three million other Americans are all going to need a battery the same day at the same time. And I know it sounds like it's, it's probably a strain on the budget to do two batteries at once, but you're going to have to do it under very bad conditions. So planning ahead, you know, prevents the problem. And I just I can't stress it enough. It can be a life and death situation. Let's go over and talk to Sanso in Florida, 05 Ford Freestar, and some transmission issues. Sanso, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Yes, good afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, car doctor. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I got this um, two thousand and five um, Ford Freestar, right? And, okay. Um, it was it was you know pretty good, but you know it's it's about two hundred and eighty something thousand miles on it, but it was pretty good, you know. Right. Uh, but since I've late, you know, I start like I mean, I stop, 
and you um depress the gas to go, you know, and it it start make some sound like the transmission slipping, like it like something like like. Okay. Did, did you know that something like yeah, you're going something like that. You know, we didn't do any checking on it still, you know, but you know, right. getting sometimes it it really annoying. You know, you want to move up, you know, and you know, it kind of starts you know slow and slow and you know make that noise. Is is there a thump or any sort of a clunk and a thump that goes along with that, Sanso? Could this be a bad broken or twisted trans or engine mount? Well. I I suspect yeah um, the the channel um, the channel the, the, the engine motor I suspect you know that maybe one of them are both of them bad. Right, and then the other question I've got is is there, are there any dashboard warning lights on? Is the check engine light on on the dashboard? Yeah, uh, yeah, I got it like that, you know, but I, yeah. I get it with yeah, um, the check engine light. And on, but, any idea know. what fault codes are related there? Did you have? Did, do you have fault codes? In did you, did you scan it? Did, did somebody scan this? No, no, no. We didn't. No, I didn't do any scanning on it. Okay, and then let me ask you this: before the trans started slipping, before the yeah. trans started slipping, was the check engine light on prior? Yes. Okay. So here's the problem. All right, and I get it. It's an older car. It's got a lot of miles on it, and yeah. you know you're just trying to be cautious on what you spend on it. So the yeah. check engine light's been on for whatever length of time, five months, six months, a year, two years, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had a couple of trouble codes. They weren't worth fixing. You weren't able to fix it. You know, whatever. We've all been there. It happens, man. Yeah, but, I just saw it about, about here and something near two years, you know? Right. You know. So, but here's here's the problem. Now it's got a, a, another problem, and it's serious yeah. enough to bring the vehicle to the point where, yeah, maybe the trans is slipping. But you won't know mechanically if the trans is slipping or failing because you don't know what the codes are because the light's been on. So, you know, yeah, yeah it's listen, let's let's start at the beginning before you spend any money on the car. Let's get it scanned. Let them to look at all the fault codes. Try and get an overall vehicle evaluation because if it does need a trans, that could be well over $3,000. Let's figure out what the vehicle really needs before we do it and spend any extra money. Get it scanned first. I appreciate the call. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor coming right back after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Welcome back. Ron and Ian, the car doctor. We are happy to be here for you at 855-560-9900. And that music is sort of our special way of saying hello and thanks for having us to the nice folks over at WCTC Radio, 1450 AM in New Brunswick. They own central New Jersey on the airwaves there. 
and uh, we're happy to be part of their family and uh, continue to add to our affiliate base. Uh, welcome, New Jersey. We're here, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor and company. Um, rough week at the shop. It was um, well, it was kind of a strange week. We had a um, Danny's grandmother. Danny, one of my mechanics, his his grandma stopped by and she said, "You know, I've got this funny little ticking noise in my Toyota, my Rav Four. That's a '99 Rav Four. It's 20 years old." And we go out and we listen, and yeah, it's got this. When you step on the gas, you hear. Brrr, Kind of like a baseball card and a bicycle spoke sort of a sound. And, you know, the first reaction is kidding around. Hey, Grandma, stop laying on the gas so hard. You're not the little old lady from Pasadena. Just uh, lay off the gas pedal. Stop drag racing. And on second look, you could, and second sound, because I'm trying to diagnose it, you know, it's down low. It's, it's, it's down into the timing cover area where the timing belt sits. And I look at the cover. And Danny revs it up. He sits in the car and revs it up. And I'm watching and listening and looking. Did I just see the cover move, or is that is that an optical illusion? Am I, am I not seeing it correctly? And he does it again, and I see, you know, it looks like the walls of the cover are flexing. Hmm. Naturally, Dot had to leave the car. We we convinced her that she had to leave the car. We didn't want to run up the New York State Thruway. She lives two hours away. She was down in the area to see family, and we we wanted her to leave the car. She left the car, and um, you know, time to take the front of the motor apart. There's there's something going on here. Lucky me, you know, it was my turn in the barrel. And as I took apart this 20 year old Toyota, that I think Toyota in their, I'm not sure what they were thinking, but they decided to hang everything. Under the hood, the cruise control was in the way, the power steering was in the way, the air conditioning lines were in the way. Everything was in the way just to get to the timing belt area and the cover. And when I got the cover off, the timing belt was so loose that it looked like it had been slapping the inside of the plastic cover, and it wore away the plastic cover to the point that when she would step on the gas, the cover would swell. Right and just like a balloon, wah! Right and it would just and you're you're just looking at it going, holy cow! So needless to say, I had to put a timing cover and a belt on the car, uh, along with the water pump, the idler, the tensioner. But um, that was just you know that was just one of the cars at the shop this week. The other one that was a real you know kind of what were they thinking point of view, and not that the Toyota was was customer came in with a 2013 Jeep Wrangler, 130-something thousand, 132,000 miles on it. It needed a pair of oxygen sensors downstream, the ones after the cat, right? Most cars have four. Some cars have six now. What was Chrysler thinking? They put the oxygen sensors down at the bottom of the cat on these Wranglers, V6 Wrangler, and they angle the sensor in so it's pointed towards the engine and the transmission. Listen, I want to inform the engineers in case they're listening. If you if you move it an inch and a half around the outside of the cat, it'll be pointed out and be a lot easier to get to. All right? But they're pointed in. Now, at 130,000-something miles when, you know, it's not unusual for oxygen sensors to go bad, what usually happens to things here in New Jersey when you want to work on it six years and 130,000 miles later? We have this phenomenon called winter. All right? And in winter... They use this stuff to melt what now? Ice and snow? Called chemical. And the chemical gets on all the car parts, and it makes it really nice and rusty. So that O2 sensor that's pointed the wrong way, that you can't really see it to work on it, now you need to apply heat. 
Of course, I've come to the conclusion that Chrysler is thinking, hey, if we can get people to burn up most of our cars, well, definitely it'll help for vehicle sales the next time around. So I had to sit there using a mirror, which is kind of neat, right? You're standing there with the torch, and you're taking the bigger shop mirror, and you're holding it down by the O2. It's like working like a dental technician, right? You're using a mirror to clean teeth, but you're using a mirror to heat the O2 sensor without melting the wiring harness that runs right next to it and uh, damages. And the one side where the fuel line was, oh, boy, wasn't that exciting. Um, <laughs> I'm here, folks. I made it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Danny's standing there with the bottle of water, the fire extinguisher, and, and, and the Bible. And, um, you know, just get them warm enough, and we heat up the O2s, and, and, and out they come. But you're, you're going, like, what are they thinking? Do they, do they ever think you're going to have to take this apart and work on it? I guess the answer is no. But it needed two O2s, and we had to put spark plugs in it because the customer decided that he wouldn't change spark plugs until the engine stopped running or uh, uh, until it turned on a check engine light, whichever came first. This turned on a check engine light. It had a misfire on cylinder two. We started pulling the coils, the, I'm sorry, the spark plugs out of the easy side. How many people have ever done spark plugs on a V6 Jeep? Show of hands. Nope, not many. And in order to do the ones on the passenger side, they're pretty easy. You just, you know, three coils come out, the plugs come out, no problem. In order to do the ones on the driver's side, see, what I think is, I think there were two engineers that designed spark plug access on Jeeps. The first guy had, had the common sense, and, you know, he was just interested in re being able to repair the vehicle. The guy that designed spark plug access on the driver's side, he was the same nut that did the location of the O2 sensors because to take to take the O to take the spark plugs to, 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 to take the spark plugs out of I'm getting excited just thinking about it again to take the spark plugs out of the driver's side you had to take the upper half of the intake manifold off yeah oh boy there's a good time right and everything is plastic and nuts and bolts and you're going boy I hope all this stuff goes back together um, I, I wonder if you know what they were thinking but that was the week at the shop it, it almost felt like a full a full moon week um and then the one fella the last story of the week is has to be the fellow that came in that didn't speak english which i got nothing against that but just he didn't speak english and he wanted to have this very lengthy one-on-one -on -one conversation friday afternoon at three thirty about what i put his own parts he, he what did he buy i think he bought four new struts for the car and he wanted me to put them in and i had to explain to him how i can't do that from the liability perspective and he didn't i don't think he had a clue i think he's still standing there waiting to hear my answer because i don't think he understood what i was saying it was definitely a you know the timing belt moving the the spark plugs the whole thing so it was um it was a crazy week at the shop let me tell you uh keep in mind this hour we'll be going to giving away a wix diecast car to 39 ford i think tom is uh, done playing with it but uh, courtesy of the nice folks over at wixfilters.com tom you had a comment i'm not giving it up yet well but you know those people who design cars like that <clears throat> i'm thoroughly convinced they don't have to work on one no they don't they really don't and it's it's just insane you know you sit there and you say and then I said to myself, and what if I can't get the oxygen sensor out of the cat in the position it's in? I'd have to take the cat down. Well, once again, what do we have in New Jersey? Snow. What does snow generate? Chemical on the ground. What does that chemical do? It rusts. I looked at the exhaust studs. Oh, my God. Um, I think that's a nut. I think that's a bolt. I mean, they're so badly weathered that it's, it's an indiscernible shape. So... <sighs> You know, sometimes I think we're all going to be leasing cars in the future or just just buying them for five years and throwing them away because they're just not designed to, to be repaired, I think, sometimes. I think there's a lot in that.
Well, as soon as they start 3D printing cars, it won't be a problem anymore. You just throw it away and print a new one. Right. I had dinner last night with what was uh, Chris Amico, Capital Motor Car Leasing. Out of us, uh, he's in Central New Jersey somewhere. We're going to get Chris on the show. He's going to talk to us about leasing, leasing cars, and and and, and the purpose of it. And but you know, you, you, I sat and listened to him about what it costs and residual value and why leasing pays off better than buying sometimes. And what, what you know, it's just a refreshing, different point of view. And obviously, this man makes his living from leasing, but he's got a he's got it very well thought out. He explains it very well. And you know what? To a degree, after a week of fixing the insanity of what the car becomes after five or six years, you know what? Throw it away, buy another one, or lease another one. I, it just, it just, it almost, it's almost starting to make sense, Tom. I must be getting close to retirement, but not yet. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor, 855-560-9900. I was reading an article this week in Motor Age, Motor Age magazine, the trades as I like to call it. Gentleman by the name of Dave, Dave McCholtz, M-A-C-H-C-O-L-Z, is a contributing editor to Motor Age. And I've got it in front of me, and I, I just wanted to see if I can convey this to you, because it, it makes some great points about what's we normally see, or what you might normally see, is a very simple subject, right? How many people think, oh, I need to get tires on my car? It's just so simple. Let me just pop down and get them done. Dave starts out, he talks about undercar service diagnostics and repair become more complex with advancements in vehicle weight reduction. Vehicle weight reduction, right? Did you hear that? Technicians will be need to wear of industry standard equipment and best practices in order to correctly perform these services. He then goes on to talk about various and different things. If I can get the paper to turn here. Always happens live on air. This is the real, folks. Um... Tire mounting. And I thought this was a great, because I just run into this. We just purchased a new wheel balancer in the shop. It's um, the second down in the Hunter line. The uh, Hunter, I uh, forget what it is, what the model number is, but it's got a... It's it's got weight placement and laser guided this and that and it won't launch missiles yet. That's the that's the model after mine. But um, still at nine grand, it was um, it's a it's a big wheel balancer. And Dave goes on to talk about. He said in order to make wheel assemblies lighter. Are you ready for this? In order to make wheel assemblies lighter, Tom, what what sort of material would you put into a wheel on a vehicle if you wanted to make it lighter? Plastic. Oh boy. Many manufacturers have moved to plastic-cladded wheels to decrease overall wheel assembly weight. So wait a minute now. So we're going to make, <laughs> we're going to take, wait a minute. I started reading this and I'm going, you're telling me we're going to make plastic wheels? You're, so you're going to make the wheel weigh less than the tire? Well, yeah, but that isn't even the point. The point is in order to make the wheel lighter, we're going to start adding plastic components to the wheel, so it'll be a combination of plastic and metal I'm taking this as? That's going to work really well where I go, where it's 30 below zero in the winter. Uh, I Wheel designs have also added expense with some European varieties priced over $2,000 a piece. What this means is that the old center clamp tire machine is ready for the scrap pile or sale or donation to a restoration shop. So now... <clears throat> Everybody's going to have to go out and buy all new tire machines. I just bought the wheel balancer. The tire machine I did three years ago, that was ten grand. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I'm thinking about it as a shop owner, right? $20,000, two pieces of equipment, not, you know, state of the art, but not top of the line because of the level of vehicles that we see on a regular basis. You know, you can spend $50,000 
on 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 tire and wheel balancers. You know, one of each. Does this uh, mean you're going to need two? One for the plastic wheels and one for the regular wheels. Well, no, because the plastic wheel tire machine will do the steel wheel as well. Thank God for that. Yeah. But, you know, the days of, it's like somebody will walk in and say, how much to mountain balance a tire? And you tell them 25 bucks and they look at you like you're crazy. Uh, you know, well, I remember when it was $6. Yeah, listen, I remember when getting across the GW Bridge. What's the cheapest toll you remember on the GW Bridge, Tom? Oof. I think Boy. five, I remember five bucks. Yeah, it sounds about right. I remember five bucks. I don't remember less than that. I also remember uh, uh, twenty-five cents on the Garden State Parkway. Yeah, I remember that quarters. Right, you would you would use your quarters yep, and throw, then throw them into the basket on the side. Right. I yeah. hope it didn't. Right. Uh, I hope it went in the basket. Right. And then when they put McDonald's on the Garden State Parkway, then you sort of didn't use the quarter for that. Then you went and bought a cheeseburger. There you that go. Was a, that was a whole nother. <laughs> that was college. That was forty years ago. Um, but yeah, I tire technology is changing, and it's just one of the things that's changing about the car. So look at your wheels. If they look like they're not rusting after seven years in New Jersey, and all the chemical they put on the road was snow, and I know we've beat up that this hour really well. Probably they're made out of plastic if it's a late model something or other, and um, maybe just every repair shop can't do tires anymore. It's, it's really going to be an interesting run. From here on until uh, the next 15 years are going to be really exciting in the world of automobiles. Of course, I'll be retired by then <clears throat> or something worse um, or something better. Um, in any event, 855-560-9900. Um, I should say also, wait, I just wanted to point that. Let me turn the page one more time. Great article. i got to see if I can find a way. I'll get permission to reprint this. Um, we should call up Tom. I want you to get a hold of this guy. He's an instructor. Dave is an instructor for Toyota, Honda, and General Automotive Programs, Suffolk County Community College in Selden, New York. He's an ASE tech and an L1 technician. Um, he would be an interesting guy to talk to. I'm going to shoot him an email and see if we can get him on the show talking about some of the things. Because then he goes on in the article to talk about noise, vibration, harshness. Uh, they're using scopes to diagnose noise and vibration. And some of the things that are coming about because of technology and the changes in the way in which we approach cars. So uh, some good stuff. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor and company. We'll be back right after this to wrap it up. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We, um, uh, we want to... Yeah, we want to. Okay, I know what we want to do. Um, we want to finish out and close out this hour with a couple of points of mention. Common sense. Uh, you know, we've had more than a few instances in the last couple of months, and it, it seems like it's getting to be more and more that we're not thinking enough about vehicle maintenance. Basics. You know what? I get it. We all think what we're driving is a rocket ship. And, you know, it'll take us from here to the moon. The fact is they give rockets maintenance from time to time, too, and we've got to start to look at that. Winter's coming to the vast majority of the United States, and if you're overseas, I'm sure there's harsh weather, harsh weather wherever you are. Um, you know what? Take a minute. Uh, simple things. Air in the tires. Look at the wiper blades. Are the wiper blades folded over? Uh, you know, are they torn? When was the last time? And think about it. The last time it rained, could you see? You know, I'm guilty of it. I do the same thing. You know what? The little shop truck I've been driving for the last two weeks, because uh, I'm trying to fix everything else that I own, um, and I'm trying to put the plow truck together for winter, which isn't ready yet. Um, the, the shop truck I'm driving, I've got to clean the glass. Sometimes just cleaning the glass. I noticed last night how dirty the windows were. You know, we're going into the harsh weather time of year, and you can't wait till the last minute because weather is very unforgiving. 
uh, you know, it's an experience that once you experience it, you understand it. So uh, just take five minutes, just just a note of caution, just to finish the show on a little bit of a serious note that, you know, it, it can become um, tough weather conditions out there in the next couple of three, four months till we see springtime because, yeah, unfortunately, somebody has to tell you bad weather's coming. Let's be ready for it. Let's make plans. Let's make sure the vehicle is as good a shape as it possibly can be. And that way um, we can get together each and every week like we do now and uh, have some fun talking about cars. I'm Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.